that I saw him watching me. You pretend like you moved on, but you're actually just obsessed with death. What are you gonna do when Michael comes back for you? Because he is coming. And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One. Co-host also, Mike, also on the line as we have... I guess for the second time, are recording what will be our Halloween Ends movie review because we just basically did a podcast without the microphones on and then we realized we were doing the podcast without the microphones on, so we decided to hit record. So let's hope we are at least 50% as coherent in this actual episode that you will hear <laughs> as opposed to uh, what we were when we actually... I, I felt we had a decent conversation, but uh, hope maybe we can repeat it, Mike? Uh, it's possible. We, we did basically do like 20 minutes of the yep. podcast before we hit mm-hmm. record. This happens sometimes on MMO. We can't help it. It just it just flows out of us. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right. We'll be stumbling, bumbling morons <laughs> for the actual recording where we were crystal clear. And it's just and two having a- British gentlemen sipping tea, being the most <laughs> articulate people in the world. And then we get on the, no, I like the Michael Myers. <laughs> I am mixed. And, and yeah, that's like where we're going to land mm-hmm. today ultimately i yeah. think which is uh surprising to us both i would say because we've we've kind of been you know the roman handshake throughout this series even the the good has been awesome or the bad has been awesomely bad the the good has been you know high five in the middle of the room kind of thing have we yet to really differ on one of these films i don't know how, how do you feel about the curse of michael myers <laughs> <laughs> yeah you kind of yeah that's the one there it is that's the one yeah look and, and i think that's a good place to start and i'm so to- like if i see one more youtube tagline or 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 thumbnail that's it well you're not gonna like this movie like this is a very bizarre halloween movie okay you should probably know that going in i think that'll help with expectations but i don't think it's this this sucks. Like, if you're a real Halloween fan, if you followed this series, mm-hmm. the worst of this movie is nowhere near <laughs> the worst that you have been dealt with Michael Myers historically in in terms of Halloween films. Right? Like this this I would watch this a thousand times, despite the problems and issues I have with it, yes. before I ever watch Buster Rhymes say, "Hey, Mikey, <laughs> trick or treat!" ever again, because. Look at if you're a homer and if you're a fan, and you've turned me into like the super fan level. I I I feel like I've risen to the challenge of your fandom. Yes. throughout this series, you've embraced it no, quite well. Yeah, I have embraced it. I have embraced the awesomely bad. I've you know look maybe Halloween six excluded there, <laughs> but you're missing I, out, I, kid. <laughs> I haven't gone that far, but I think when I came into this series, I was a 78 fan, I was an H2O fan, and I didn't get the rest. Mm. Now I come out of it loving a lot of three, loving a lot of two, and then four and five have their charms. Yep. And then, you know, look at Resurrection and Six, I can't get on board with those two, and, you, and you're not on board with Resurrection, Resurrection either. Resurrection should die in a pit of fiery hell. The but earth then should open up and swallow that. We. Movie. Yeah, but we start a parade over H2O, I mean, ourselves. We're I a think, two-man parade. That's all we need, you and I. I, I think H2O is the high point of this entire, mm. of any interaction. I think H2O is actually the movie you and I both kind of wanted this movie to be. Correct. Now, we get some of it in this movie, yes. I would say, but I, I don't necessarily think it rises to the level of H2O. That All that being said, we've been on board with this new requel 
trilogy. Like I, we yes. love 2018. Yes, that was a high point in our podcast. Mm-hmm. And despite a lot of people getting on kills, we loved kills for its successes. I mean, the rewatchability of kills is is, and you were onto this way before I was, but. I had just rewatched it for probably the first time since we saw it in theaters in the lead yeah. up to, to going to see Ends. It's so good. And I think that's why I give Ends the credit that I give it, because David Gordon Green clearly was not interested in making just two other... Like, he, he gave you the Michael Laurie in 2018, and he was not yeah. interested in rehashing that storyline twice over. He didn't want to do round two and round three, right. and that's the trilogy. And it's unfortunate, because right. I think you could have... Like, these characters could be deepened. Mm-hmm. Without going the Skywalker, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Routes. But all that being said, they are very ambitious with these concepts for, for the for the second and third story. And we give them points for innovation. Extremely high concept stuff. And ambition. Yeah. Now, I think the execution of this film suffers more than the execution of the last film. And that's where I'm going to land today. I also wonder how that's going to how that statement holds up for you in a couple of years on rewatch. It's possible. It's possible that I'll come to enjoy this movie more. Now, I did get up at the butt crack of dawn to watch this movie at 5:30 a.m. this morning to rewatch person. it. We didn't get home till midnight. I know. I, re- I didn't sleep much, and I got <laughs> up and I rewatched it, and I I enjoyed parts of it. I mean, I, I was up, but that's because yeah. I've, I've been having heart palpitations. Like when Michael Myers and Tom DeLonge returning to Blink, when he, there's only like seven things in this world I actually care about, and when two or three of them happen at one time, I felt like I'm on the verge of an anxiety attack all week because I don't know <laughs> what joy is or how to feel happy. <laughs> Like honest to God, this is me. This is not a bit. This is me being honest. So I've been, I've just been a crazy person this the past forty eight hours. And I mean, that's probably where we should start because, like, the last forty eight hours, the reception for Halloween ends was brutal, bad on film Twitter. Especially. I mean, yeah, saying polarizing would be generous. Right, divisive is generous, and look, I mean. The 45 meta score, the 45% on Rotten Tomatoes on 105 reviews, that's also generous. Like, we don't get the sense, and we didn't yesterday, that this was going to be a quote-unquote 50-50 coin flip. We were heading in with uh, people that we trust and follow, and they were saying that this is like the worst movie. Hated Hated it. I mean, Eric Weber said it desecrated the legacy of Michael. You know, I mean, that's that's some heavy stuff. Is he the Homer that we are? I wonder that. I wonder that heavily. I wonder how this plays uh, for the casual fan versus the the hardcore fan. I wonder how it plays for the first-time viewer versus the person that at least just came in in 2018 and maybe checked out 78 because they came in at 2018. I have been wondering all those things. And I guess if you're going to go back in time for the journey to to kind of plug our series, you know, go – Listen to the first 11 episodes. This is episode 12 of MMO Does Halloween. This is a uh, labor of love. Over I mean, the past it's sick and twisted years. that this is not our longest running series. That's how <laughs> deranged Mike and I are. But yeah, we have done deep dives into every Halloween entry. That's not even to mention all the story updates along the way we've done throughout MMO Weekly and Oscar Race Checkpoints. We worked in right. Halloween stuff there too. But we have a full playlist where I am dressed as Laurie Strode. Michael is wearing the Mikey Myers mask. You'll see it on our SoundCloud page. Uh, our MMO does Halloween playlist. We do deep dives into every single uh, Halloween 
movie and storyline and we dissect them and we go through them and they're they are they're a ton of fun for us even though we do consider ourselves an oscars podcast this horror adjacent lens we have because we both grew up loving those types of movies and it's just it's something we felt we needed to do and we continue to need to do and I will guarantee you this is not the last MMO Does Halloween episode we do so long as MMO survives for another, let's say, three to four years because Michael Myers is going to come back. Not this Michael Myers, not this storyline, but there's no way if this one makes the money it's supposed to make, they're done with Michael Myers. Yeah, $50 million was the projection last we talked, and I'm guessing it's going to do over that based on the audience we yeah. saw because you know we're showing up at nine o'clock we actually switched our theater because there's a big rainstorm coming in mm-hmm. it really didn't come in that hard no, but we were worried about traveling to the further better theater amc and we went to the closer smaller but we still had like 75 percent full there was a man there? just openly smoking weed in our theater and that <laughs> yeah, that made was. my heart smile <laughs> yeah we could sh- it smelled mainly <laughs> there's no question uh i think i think it was a crowd that I didn't feel, Michael. Like, this is a strange thing. Like, I I saw them. I didn't feel them. I didn't hear them, which is different between... You're different from the Barbarian audience, the Smile audience that I just uh, enjoyed those films with. I, I wonder if they are experiencing this movie kind of in a numb state kind of shocked by what they got. Well, I don't know if you heard it, but I mean, the disappointment was tangible it was hearable listenable leaving the theater we I mean, we heard one guy yeah. disappointed verbally yeah. disappointed you heckled him immediately yeah i wonder well, if he heard you i hope he you're did. loud well i want him to better his life in my vision and that's what matters to me ultimately uh, but yeah <laughs> you I were mean, definitive you were definitive walking out you you were like i dug this well look I'm my in. expectations yeah. couldn't have i was so scared going yeah. into this and i think if you know, you don't want to worry about this movie and you don't want to be in a place where something you love as much as I love the Halloween series. You're that scared and fearful of it. But it certainly did help because right. this was because I was so worried and so low and so fearful. <laughs> I I came away from this way more satisfied than I would have. I think this is still I'm going to give it away, but it's still like a B minus movie for me. It's not the greatest Halloween entry ever, ever. But there's a lot of things that go well with it, including how they handled this Michael Myers, but I, I really dug and appreciate it. And again, it has to do with high concepts and degree of difficulty and all that stuff you've already touched on. But yes, going back to that guy in the theater, I mean, there was very little audience participation for any kills, even though there were some really cool kills. Right. And, and anything to do with the story, I, I feel like people were kind of let down in our theater. I think I get, uh, yes, I get, I got that sense as well. And it's unfortunate because the true fans have things to enjoy with this because the biggest strength of this new trilogy to me is how it delivers the fight and the fright goods like, like we get action horror spectacle in here we get chilling nasty scenes that are just on a scary high level throughout all three and throughout each of the three films in this new trilogy regardless of the scale which i think is what was the left letdown here for ends because kills ratcheted up the scale like we have Haddonfield versus Michael after Laurie versus Michael and now we have basically a two-on-two tag team match and it's back to like the smaller stranger shift if my tongue wasn't sliced off by Michael I was I'd be biting it right now (laughs) 
Trying, we, I have to save that for for spoilers, yeah. but yes, keep going. It, it's a smaller scale. It's a smaller scale. So that is, it could be a letdown for some folks coming off of Kills, especially if you rewatched Kills. My biggest problem is two of the four characters here not really written all that well. And it's on one side of the coin, which I was frustrated with. So and my they're both biggest, female characters. My biggest issue with this series is how they've written the Karen and Allison characters. I think the failures of Halloween Kills are also failures of the Judy Greer Karen character and the failures of, shockingly enough, the failures of ends, to me, reside on the failures of them characterizing the Allison played by Andy Matichak character. I was coming in figuring that I was going to be, like you, upset with the Corey Cunningham arc I'm not as much. I'm I'm upset that Allison lost agency and fails a lot of Bechtel tests. Her scenes fail a lot of Bechtel tests in this story when it should have been built around her more thoroughly. And it, that, that's the, like my biggest issue with the composition is that they wrote the women poorly, especially the supporting women. But not Lori. Well, Lori the, delivers the goods with the fight goods. Now, did they write Lori's buildup in this one well? No, I don't think. Like, she's forced to do some Anthony Hopkins level acting in like Mission Impossible 2 exposition dump mm-hmm. theme dumping dialogue scene acting that I just hated and that's not Jamie Lee Curtis's fault she's stuck having to spout this melodramatic bullshit in the story just like she had to do on her soapbox at the end of Kills yeah and I despise that because she's sidelined and she's moralizing instead of in the fight. We disagree slightly about Allison. I at least come from a place where I understand why they had to do this. But uh, I, I agree that the, the Karen character was written poorly. I agree parts of the Allison character were written poorly. I agree the exposition dump is ridiculous. And all of that ties into the script, the script writing and the handling of the Corey character. And it's, the Corey character is the one we feared most coming into this. Is he going to be a Mikey Myers, you know, a long lost son? Is he going to be a familial relationship? Please, God, don't do that. We were all worried about that. Those are, we'll obviously get into more about what he is in the spoilers. Right. But if you're going to introduce this new character as a main character in the third part of a trilogy, he's the Ewok of this movie. <laughs> like, it's so tough to do. It's hard. It's and, 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 and if you're going to make that character that new, yeah. that important, that the audience has no relationship to, in contrast to these characters, who at least two of them, some, a lot of your audience has known for 40 years, 44 years at this point, you're walking a tightrope there that, that may not have a great suspension to the other side. I thought the Scream requel, Melissa Barrera, Jenna Ortega, the new cast lives up to a new trilogy focused on them. They can carry future Scream movies. But My even biggest... that has to do with how you work in Sydney and Gale and Dewey, yes. right? You have you have the ties that make sense and the ties that just intrigue us. Here, you have perhaps... 50, you're 50-50. You're batting 500. And I think part of that problem, Mike, and why you have such an issue with how the Allison character was written is because you it, it, to do this, you have to divest so much time into establishing and expositioning who Corey is. That you have to take a, what should be Allison's movie, you have to take time away from Allison to do that. And it's the same with the last movie. It should have been Karen's movie, 
And instead, it was given to Tommy Doyle, played by Night Night Anthony Michael Hall. <laughs> like, why did we do that? And this movie, you're getting. Was, get, was yeah, Ghostbusters you're... worth it, Paul Rudd? Was it really <laughs> worth it to skip that movie? For all no, of us? it was not. No, it was not. Despite the one hilarious scene with the tiny, teeny, tiny marshmallows. No, it was not. It was a stupid movie. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, but look, I, I think, I think the the criticisms of like the first 90 minutes again sorry eric i mean i get he's furious at this movie and he's like an og so he doesn't like the first 90 minutes at all i'm more of a like the first 45 minutes there's probably 30 minutes where i despised it and there's 15 minutes that that delighted me in the first half of the film but once you hit like the halfway mark I'm mostly good with Halloween ends. I'm good with the last 45, 50 minutes because to me, most of it delivers on a spectacle level and most of it delivers on a horror scene level. And then you have the long promise showdowns between these characters that, you know, maybe the buildup is, wasn't great, but ultimately the movie's going to get a positive passing grade from me because they stick the landing. And, and it's like one of those figure skating routines where, yeah, sh- yeah, they fall on their ass early in this, you know, and they roll on the ground. They probably got a, you know, a red br- uh, bruise and rash on their underneath their tights for a while. But they do stick the landing and they get a lot of courtesy claps yeah. at the end. And I'm OK with that, I guess. Should this have been a miniseries? They had a hard time characterizing these these uh, these people in this is new wave filmmaking though right like this is tv time. come to screen i mean everybody wants their cinematic universes everybody wants their miniseries played out in movie forms i i i think this the concepts david gordon green was going for in kills and ends are so high level i think they're both impossible to pull off in 90 100 minute runtimes to the point where they just have to just Blurt it out. Yeah, every character has to blurt and it, out. The and you're themes. doing that at the uh, at the exclusion of audience emotional attachment to those themes. Right. But th- that's why it's melodramatic, and that's why it fails in in many many instances. Now, I I do believe that symbolically and thematically things work. I get. The psychology, like, look, you don't have to be Doctor Freud to understand the psychology here, right? Of these characters, and I do think it comes from a, a good place. I just wish we didn't have to go through, through so many hammy scenes to get there. That's my biggest frustration. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm with you for the most part, but I think we attribute it to I, I I I attribute it to grand idea, like this this. It's not for a lack of effort. Like, he tried to overstuff this movie right. with high concepts. Well, here's what we went into this movie with. Like, we went in knowing in, in our brains, because we got spoiled a little bit, whether it was film, Twitter, or YouTube in my case, we we thought it was going to be a letdown for different reasons. Yeah. At least I did. Yeah, I did too. Okay, so I wasn't let down for those reasons. I was. I actually got something like you that was better than I feared. Yeah, I'm thankful this didn't do what I had thought it was going in the direction I thought it was and what I texted you. I, I was like, oh, my God, I think I figured it out. Which I'm, I'm happy that none of that happened. Um, all right, let's talk about some other things that are unquestionably high points. The score was great. 
Uh, the the music of Kills might be the best in the franchise. Agree. And then you had you had a strange undercurrent of the entire score done for this movie. Now, I don't know. I'm I'm a little hit and miss on it because I again I listened to it this 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 morning. I wish they had. I I know it wouldn't have worked, but I wish they had more of the traditional score in here. So. All right, I get. I'm I'm a little surprised. I disagree there. I oh, you didn't uh, like the score? No, I don't like the music in this movie. I, I it fits the move. It has it has to fit the story, but to me, it's a bummer. Didn't you start this section by saying the score was the best in the series? No, I said the Halloween Kills. Score oh, is Kills the best score was. I yeah. disagree. I think ends. I mean, all right. Yeah. At least the score on Spotify. Could you, could I pick out where those songs pl- took place in the actual movie events? No, but if you listen to the Halloween end scores that are on Spotify and in the trailer mm. and everything surrounding this movie, I think it's the best music having to do with the Halloween theme that we've gotten. That's my opinion. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear it. I'm a little score deaf my my early watches, so I'll I'll hold out hope that you're you're right on that. I was I was let down by the music. I, now there are some flourishes when this movie kicks up, where I'm all in. And nobody did it better than Carpenter in the last film. So that's, again, by the standards of what we just got, mm-hmm. maybe that's where I'm at. And, and the nostalgia of 2018 score just coming back and when that kicks in, obviously that was awesome too. Yeah. But that was mostly just a, a repeat and a rehash. What I did enjoy is that we saw different sides of Haddonfield. We saw some new settings. Yes, We agree. got some new costumes. We got more of a, a rounded sense of what Haddonfield's all about, which I think is important beyond the like middle of the night, you know, setting that we got Two streets in, in, in the hospital. Right. Yeah. And, and, and even in kills, it's kind of, it's, it's limited here. Here it's somewhat limited too. It's only a $20 million budget or whatever it was. They're going to make plenty of money. Don't you worry, but it's, you do get a, you, you go to the grocery store, you go to the radio station, you go to the junkyard, you got, you, see you got billboards more on the highway, you see a rate, yeah, radio station, you see the under, the underpass, underground, uh, underground and the underpasses there. Yeah, it, it's actually feels like an actual city or town. So I'm a fan of the production design. You see how the other half lives, which is something we didn't see mm-hmm. before. And by the other half, I mean the rich people for once. So yeah. that's fun. Uh, there's some cost. There's there's some inspired costumes in here. I wonder if one of them will catch on or not. Uh, I think uh, I think the cinematography and VFX is a strength too, uh, Michael, because you got this uh, this guy, Mr. Michael Simons, who's able to handle all the spectacle and wide shot master shot angles i mean you 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 go back and you can see it on a on a huge action level and and that's hard to do we've seen so many directors fail miserably when you try to convey horror spectacle on a wide shot scale and they do a great job and they work in the cgi vfx at times they work in the practical vfx at times and some of these kills are grimy nasty terrifying yeah and some of the best of the series and it was nice of your dad to make a cameo in this movie too which is a highlight (laughs) he's lost 50 more pounds since then and i give him so much credit he's uh he's doing great and yeah that character was a lot of fun but uh no cinematography vfx i'm thumbs up on both of those in terms of production values did we want to say anything about the performances before we move into spoilers because i mean rohan campbell 
and Andy Matichak, especially on rewatch, did much better than I at first blush. When I, when I watched it the first time, Corey Cunningham and again, Allison, I was not a fan of those performances, but the, they're actually decent. Right, I mean, we're Oscar credits. We're I, watching, I watching had no movie. problem with, uh, but I, I'm used to the uh, Andy Matichek, Allison character at this point. So yeah, I didn't. I thought everything was of the quality expected of a decent Halloween sequel. So here's where you're gonna turn on me, fully, fully heel. I'm not a fan of Jamie Lee Curtis's performance in this. She's got a scene early that made me laugh. She's got a, a scene in, or two in the middle that was kind of cool. And then she's stuck with these bullshit scenes until the end where she's an action, action hero. But I have a problem with her performance. And I'm, I'm rooting for her to have like this kind of year in perspective, almost, you know, Oscar boosting performance in Halloween ends. Because if she does awesome here, awesome work here, then it could hopefully give the Academy more reason to nominate her for everything everywhere all at once where she's finding herself. There's no in a way good any position. member of the Academy is watching this movie. They hate yeah, they're watching. They hate yeah, but they, they, some of them are watching this movie. Like the producers branch are watching this movie, the VFX branch. I mean, there, there's certain branches. I think gonna... Jamie Lee Curtis is campaigning for everything everywhere all at once for an Oscar nom there by doing the press tour she's done for this movie. I mean, she's so charming in every interview, and she's talking about, look, the reason I'm able to give this movie the passes that I do is because of a lot of the work that Jamie Lee Curtis did on the press junkets and talking about how, how this movie is about coping with trauma and trauma response and, you know, the mental fragility of all of us. Look, I think if she delivered the same kind of badass performance of 2018 in this movie she would have been a shoo-in for the Oscar because I've oh, seen man. that's, I mean, I, I love the, the audacity of the tinfoil hatness of that, but there's no way I can agree with that. I think it matters. I, especially when the field is, is, is unsubstantiated at the moment in supporting actress, when you are a hit, when you have a hit blockbuster, they take into consideration. I think that happened with Florence Pugh, but she does have a hit. A like this ago. is going to be a hit blockbuster. I agree. She's going I to think like if, she's if, she's going to be the that girl. Well, the Oscar lens of this episode to me is Laurie Strode. Laurie Strode's character not giving Jamie Lee Curtis enough. But what are you, you going to remember, Mike? What are you going to remember from this movie from Jamie Lee Curtis's performance? Well, you're going to remember what the trailer promised. Right. You're going to exactly. remember the kitchen scene. Exactly. So, so I, you get, I, I, in, as far as walking away from this movie with the memory of, of what Laurie Strode and Jamie Lee Curtis did with Laurie Strode, you're going to remember an ass kicker. And if this film props up a dying streaming service and also makes movie theaters big money, which makes, mm-hmm. you know, again, it, we, we know this, this affects the Oscars. We know this affects the Academy. If, you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. It does matter. So the fact that she's making Universal a lot of money, Blumhouse a lot of money, and Blum, that they're able to greenlight other projects for other people, it's all good for the industry. That matters. Now, I just wish she had more of an exclamation point performance, and I, I don't think she did that. And I'm bummed. Hmm. How dare I? But I, I am. I, <laughs> I don't know what more you wanted. I... 
didn't want the friggin' Anthony Hopkins as I mean, she's Basil Exposition. Oh, we got to get into spoilers. She's Basil Exposition. <laughs> who cares? For three quarters cares? of the movie. But you don't give it. You you don't care about that. You really don't. You you don't. You're mad that this movie wasn't the WrestleMania main event. You wanted two hours of Michael and Laurie fucking. I do. Lightsaber yeah. dueling, like fucking Obi Wan and Vader. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I would have loved that too. <laughs> I would have preferred that. Yes, you're right. <laughs> And if that's me rationalizing an Oscar lens out of this, then so be it. <laughs> I, I stay and stand by it. But yeah, I, I would still watch this movie. And if you're a fan of the franchise and you're afraid to watch this movie for some reason and you're listening to us and you want the reassurance from us, we will we will say watch this movie, Halloween fan. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what you lose by watching. I can. Uh... It is a double-edged sword or lightsaber to go to keep that going. Like I, if anybody who takes any shot at this movie, I can't argue with you. I really can't. Like I can completely understand if this is not that's not my Michael Myers, that's not my Laurie Strode. I get it, I do. Mm-hmm. But it is that way because we had someone take this property and decide. You know what? There's been like. 12 of these fucking things already. (laughs) I'm not going to make another one. I'm going to try something different. Should that attempt, would that attempt have been better bore out over 10 hours of like a Netflix miniseries? Probably. If they had, if they had cut the fucking rings of power budget in half and gave half that money, Amazon to a Halloween miniseries. Come on. Don't take, don't take shots. I'm so, so fucking mad about rings. Of, if you got seventy five percent of your rings of power budget there and took twenty five percent of that money and invested it into a Halloween miniseries for Prime, you'd get a bigger subscriber bump on Prime. You cannot convince me otherwise. But that has nothing to do. Blumhouse has nothing. Fuck to, they're the rings. 20, Fuck them. Fuck elves. They're twenty Fuck million. Get mad at the minions before you get mad at the rings of power and the hobbits and the Harfoots. Leave them alone. That's 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 Bezos. Uh, that's a crossover I would watch as well. If you want to give me Middle Earth with a group of minions fighting whatever those stupid orcs or elfmen are. Yeah, I mean we're glad that you know Michael Myers didn't take off his mask and it was three minions the rise of Gru underneath. Well, speak for we're yourself. glad about that. Speak for yourself. Because we went into this like fearing the worst, and we got better than the worst. Yeah, well, that sure. a lot better than the worst. The, yep. We've seen the worst in this franchise, <laughs> right? Like this <laughs> is a lot right. better than that. That's let's right. uh, let's get into spoilers, please. Spoilers ahead. This is a spoiler warning. This is the spoiler section for the movie Halloween Ends, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar as part of the MMO Does Halloween series you can find our playlist of going back and doing a deep dive into every halloween entry on our soundcloud playlist mmo does halloween as well we have a ton of horror properties up there that we get into uh even though we are an oscars podcast wink wink uh if you've not seen the movie yet this is a good place for you to hit pause on us go down to your local theater and check this out in a theater too you can watch it on peacock which I, as i plan to do once you get home and for rewatches but you can check this out at your local theater it is available on peacock as well today the 14th as we record this of october 2022 Halloween ends brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar as part of the MMO Does Halloween series. Michael, take it away. Let's start and get into it. All right. So let's put it into context with the rest of the franchise to start things out today. Mm-hmm. And I think my mind is is going back and forth with how I feel about this trilogy concluding with this episode, with this installment. Yeah, this and is a good I, place I, to start. 
I keep wondering if this was the plan all along. I would love to see what David Gordon Green's original vision for the ending of a trilogy was. I agree. <laughs> because I get <laughs> how no way one, it was this. I get how 2018 connects with kills. I'm just a little surprised that they walked it all the way back in a way and kind of embraced the the underbelly, the thematic underbelly of the last film and dealt with like the aftermath and said this is what Haddonfield hath wrought. Here's Corey Cunningham, the next serial killer. And so he, right. Sorry, go ahead. Keep going. So, well, keep, he's just the, he's the modern version of this, Michael. He's the self-destructive version of this. He's the, you know, the monster that was made as Hannibal. Some are born, some are made, as Hannibal Lecter says. And and and. Laurie well, and Laurie is, said it as well. There's two types of evil in this movie. There's the evil yeah. that, that is put upon you and the evil that's inside everyone. That's like a virus and a disease and you choose whether it grows. I think that that exposition, I, I guess it's an exposition, but that line lines of dialogue from Laurie. And when she's talking about when you stare into the abyss and the abyss stares back, at you can explain the entirety of every concept David Gordon Green was going for in this movie. We'll get into Laurie is Loomis in this movie, right? Laurie is Loomis. She she is the one expositing all yes. of the themes, just blurting them out at us. Yes. Okay. Which is frustrating in a, in a sense, but it's also, it's also cool in a sense that she's, she's carrying on that mantle and that legacy. So, now, so wait, ahead. I want to, I want to stick with David Gordon Green, his original vision for a trilogy. Cause we know this was pitched originally as a trilogy. It's interesting that Jamie Lee Curtis was so excited to do this for David Gordon Green after hearing his vision for this. And Universal was so willing to give him the money. And Blumhouse wanted to do this with him and John Carpenter attached in a production or a, a composer role and a producer role. There's no way this was pitched as I'm going to do this with Laurie and Michael in one. And then it's going to be th this big hospital scene in two. And then I'm going to introduce this new character, Corey Cunningham in three. And he's going to be the main focus of this. And blah, it's going to be all about Allison and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, a what? bad boyfriend. Right. It's a bad boyfriend story. The Mark which... Wahlberg movie with, uh, with well, Alicia look, Silverstone I mean, from yeah, back in the day. Yeah, but, fear, but, right? But if you look at these as, if you don't look at Michael Myers as a, an actual embodiment and more the idea of fear, I think it makes a little more sense. Like, I'm going to give the Halloween fans what they want in 2018, okay? That's where we're going to start. You want the Halloween movie? I, I got to make a box office to prove that I get a sequel anyway. Here's your Halloween mm -hmm. movie. Two is that idea of psychosis what it does to a town at large and mob mentality and, mob mentality and how it can, you know, whether it's a commentary on Twitter, whether it's a commentary on the political landscape, I think it applies to a bunch of different sectors. That's fine. Three to me is, okay, I'm going to take a step even further back in a meta sense. What do you, the audience viewer, what is the burden you have by your preconceptions of victims and survivors and that type of mentality? What does that do to the narrative at large to the people who are actually, I don't want to even say committing these crimes, but actually find themselves in the middle of these circumstances and these acts and how that can push them down a path. Like, what is the burden you have as an objective third-person viewer or digester of information and media? What is your role in all of this? So it's the evil's impact on society and then society's impact on evil. I think if that was his pitch... There's a reason to get excited about that. And those are the grand ideas he certainly comes to kills and ends with. It's just that you can't do that by introducing a new character in 100 minutes. It's impossible to pull off satisfactorily. And I feel like the contrivances of this story 
basically are at their worst and silliest when you have to rope back in the whole reason that we are here. And the whole reason that we are here is to get Ali Frazier the rematch. It's to get... See, I think he, I think he felt that was the ace up his sleeve. I'm going to give you what you want. I'm going to give this last half hour is for you, but let me tell my story. Except that if you can't tell the story that I just told in 100 minutes, you're certainly not going to be able to tell it in 70. That's what's so frustrating. Like he's rushing, he's rushing his story and then he's rushing the B story because he took Lori and Michael and made them the B story. And he and then he rushed the A story of Corey and Allison. Which I, I don't mind. I really don't mind because it was it's such a. I mean, I saw someone call this a wild swing, like a a, 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 a I don't. It wasn't desperate. I forget the adjective, but it was a huge swing. That's mm-hmm. what this is, man. I mean, this is a huge swing. The balls on David Gordon Green, yeah, to do this, knowing the stakes and knowing what people are expecting. That takes some audacity. I think they. I think he deserves credit. I think the writers deserve credit. I think Blumhouse and Universal deserve credit for letting him do it, too. Well, I'll tell you what, though. I think it's execution dependent, and I don't think they execute it. I don't think you can well. execute it. I don't think it's, it's executable. Well, but you still got to come down on that. Now, I'm not going to body slam the project, as some people have, and I do give it points for ambition, and they do execute scenes and sequences that are incredible Agreed. in ends. That being said, like you cannot convince me that Michael and Corey should, you know, have the connection they have based off of a five minute cold opening, right? The idea that I saw the evil in his eyes, which is a, a yeah. narrative throughout this, where Michael doesn't kill Corey because he supposedly sees the evil in Corey's eyes, and Laurie assu- starts to first question Corey's motives because she sees the same evil in his eyes that she saw in Michael's 40 years ago. That's nonsense. It's cheesy, laughable melodrama that gets exacerbated when Laurie and Allison have their big tiff. They have their big blowouts. Like, those scenes are so bad yeah. that I want to just crawl like in rewatching them this morning i want to just tilt upside down on the couch yeah i can't wait so for that so that that's my issue with this film is that you have this tag team match you have laurie and alice but you don't versus that's where Corey i thought we were, that's what i bit my tongue on in the non-spoiler section i thought this was heading towards allison is going to see the light because she's going to walk in on Corey trying to kill her grandmother and that's going to draw mike michael's going to be drawn out in the meantime as well and we're going to have a tag team match we're going to have good versus evil the tag team i thought that was a really fucking cool idea and i thought that's you where we're going with that, this you still get that though mike you still yeah, get yeah you don't no you and not in the way I but, thought it was going to be a two on two throughout the house. Right. But it's not like it's not. You're right. It's not just the tag team match necessary, but it's the tag team count and map count and cat and mouse or counting va- vampire. You know, the count from Sesame Street isn't an actual vampire. Talk about a total non sequitur. Found that out the other day. Go on. Well, again, bumbling morons. What I feared <laughs> I, I would come across as. And you're not helping by just uh, riffing off of my bumbling moronicness. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Now we can't edit that out. <laughs> but look at I think like Lori like she's Betty Crocker starting this movie, living her happily ever after she's while Michael's to put Michael in her past. Michael's on the loose. And I get it, you're But he's not on the loose. He's not on the loose. I, I think he's out there somewhere. He should have been dead. Maybe. He might be dead. He should have been dead. 
He got how many bullets in exactly. his body? So he, I mean, he, she's 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 making an active decision to put him in her past. And so she he might be dead for all she knows because he got the shit kicked out of him at the end of uh, kills. And yet, if she's come to know anything, she knows she he's should out. know yeah. he's out there. And the fact that she's obliviously well, she's in the face. She's living a normal life in the face of the horror that's right outside her door and she knows it. But she can't live now, a normal life because the, the town will not let her live a normal life because she is the she is the new boogeyman for the town. Yeah, but the, the problem is those scenes are rushed and therefore you're forcing her with voiceover narration to read her silly book out loud and just spit the, blurt these things out at us. You know, with that voiceover narration, and then we're we're, we're given these hap, you know haphazard scenes between her and Allison. I just I just despised all that. Now, the Corey origin story as the Scarecrow, very cool. It actually does work. It's not the movie we bought a ticket to, but it does work. This was work. the best scream sequel I've ever seen. And it and dude, it pays off in the middle of the movie, like the reveal of a blood-speckled scarecrow mask looking up as he frantically stabs the doctor in a bagged head with a wine opener, cork opener, corkscrew. That, that's a, some terrifying Badass. effed up stuff. Leading, I mean, leading the, the, the nurse girl right into the arms of Michael there so we get the kill that we see in the trailer. Badass stuff, agree. Having And the homage, having the scarecrow mask, quote-unquote, that looks a little too similar to the clown mask we've seen in the series before. Great job. And then you ratchet up that scene somehow by having the radio, uh, the the radio station kills, which was disgusting, and the junkyard spectacle, which was terrifying. And and again, the inspired shot of the blowtorch to the face, fucking crazy, in the foreground oh with God. the background in focus and the foreground out of focus. Awesome scene. I mean, terrifying, gross, grotesque. But again, this movie delivers with the horror spectacle. To go from there to now he's the scarecrow mask isn't good enough for him. He steals Michael's mask. Hated that. I like the idea behind it. I hated the execution, I should say. You've reasoned out now why Michael has to get his mask back and he follows him to Lori's house. And But again, it's like the connection... Con- but Michael was already Michael, along. Mark, Michael was already out, wasn't he? Didn't in a scene prior to Corey stealing Michael's mask? What didn't we see when Corey and Allison are going upstairs to have sex and Lori's watching them because that's how she gets off, which is weird. Yep. Didn't we see Michael stalking her? Well, didn't all that take place prior to Corey stealing Michael's mask? Yes. So Michael's already been out, and he already knows where Lori is. We didn't need. I mean, yeah. I I like that scene in one sense because. We are dealing with a decrepit, beaten down Michael Myers. Tell me a time in He's history diminished. where yeah. one guy, a teenage kid, could come in, wrestle Michael Myers to the ground, and pull his mask away, walk, and live to tell the tale about it. Right. You know? I mean, I liked that because it shows how weak and beaten down Michael Myers is. I didn't like it because that's not Michael Myers, man. A teenager's not going to wrestle Michael Myers' mask away from him and walk and live to, live to tell the tale about it. A teenager that gets beat up by a bunch of band kids. Right, exactly. Because <laughs> the, co- the cop, like this movie drives me nuts. This universe drives me nuts. Because the cops are obviously Haddonsfield's finest is, is a phrase we've mentioned ironically right. this entire right. you know series. 
because they're the worst police officers in the history of fake America. Never mind real. Mm -hmm. Well, not in real America, but in <laughs> fake America. They're the worst, the most incompetent, silliest bunch of fools you ever want to meet so i get it in the diner scene the table of cops yeah they'll back down to a kid who gets beat up beat up by a couple of high school children you know in one and in several maybe scenes. haddonfield just has the toughest band geeks in the world the band kids go hard in haddonfield <laughs> jesus and they also have new york accents did yeah. you notice that yeah they did yeah like you got some guys talking like this <laughs> Freaking Colonel from Kentucky Fried Chicken in some scenes. There was a moment where I'd almost turn to you and be like, "Where is Haddonfield?" But then, like, yeah. it's in Illinois. We know that it's place. You got there. Ra you got Ratso Rizzo, yeah. leading the band kids, <laughs> <laughs> the Sharks and the Jets, <laughs> like for no reason. Yeah. yeah, and the mother, the mother of Corey Cunningham, is. She, so, you know, she's going to be Anne Hathaway's voice in Armageddon time. She is completely over the top. This was a great Scream sequel, tied it, that was a prequel to Friday the 13th, and also, in a way, Freddy, A Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> uh, the, the mother thing with Corey. Awful. And she kisses him on the lips, too, which is disgusting, by the way. But I think that was purposeful. Right. Yeah, like, it was. Like, this is, yeah. he's trying to tie in nature versus nurture when it comes to trauma response. I get what David Gordon Green's going for. I mean, yeah, I'm being too lenient because I, I would rather have a director fail seeing the breadcrumbs of this grand idea, this high concept attempt, rather than fail getting me resurrection. That's, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. And that's why we've always said on this podcast, degree of difficulty, points for ambition, we factor those in. And especially when it's, you know, a franchise that we love and we you guys know going in we're not reviewing this movie like on the level of an of an oscars mm -hmm. film we're reviewing it because you know from the shameless perspective of fans and we, we we lean into that of course we do but even still there's disappointments in this movie for me to where i'm like i want to love it and i want to i want to be you know so for, for, so for something, something like Corey's mother Right, with that idea in mind. Yeah. You say it's gross, you say it was awful. No, I'm not mad. Like, that's that actually works for me. It makes okay. sense. But, like, okay. the whole character's stupid. Like, she's Carrie's mom in, in some right. scenes. And then she's got, like, this comic release, relief husband who's great, by the way. One of our favorite characters. So good. Give, characters. Me, give me a miniseries with that guy, by the way. Watching Shaw Claude Van Damme, <laughs> having the hilarious one-liners. I hope you find love. <laughs> really funny. Funny at the dinner table. Why is he he's married to her? I have no idea. Yeah, he's also me. like a great boss and a great dad, stepdad. Yeah. Yeah. Loved him. Highlight of the movie, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. That's who we are in this universe. We're that guy. <laughs> and he dies protecting his son. He doesn't even have a name of his character. The actor's not even on the IMDb that I could tell, which is terrible. <laughs> like he's to me, he's the takeaway. Like yeah. cast him and everything. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> totally got sidetracked there. <laughs> but this movie should be called Halloween Friends, not Halloween Ends. F R I before the ends. Like this movie is not is not what I expected, and that's okay. But, but for, also, you, what did you want? Like, I don't know that David Gordon Green had two hours of Laurie and Michael left in him. I mean, it's that's obviously the, not the movie he cared about telling. If 
you took kills and you in- injected Lori into it, you could have developed that character more. Did she need more development? Yes, she did. You sideline her in kills. You made the film. You made the story about the ensemble. Yeah. And now you pay that price because now Allison's not developed enough. Now you have to to create a new character from whole cloth. Like we were talking about it before. Like if you had a do-over for this series, if you could, if you were able to rewrite it, we would have made Corey a character in one, two, and three. Yes. He would have maybe had a thing for Allison. Maybe she would have had empathy for him. And by the second half of that night, like a Stranger Things thing, like the Goonies, whatever, you would have her going, being drawn to him throughout the rest of that night. Corey maybe should have they been cotton weary. Yeah, maybe they could have survived together. Yeah. And then now you have, you have, you you've built up characterization for him to where you don't have to do the whole origin and you could have sprinkled well you could have done both you could have sprinkled even if you introduce him in kills that he's a kid that was a babysitter who killed someone and then actually show the kill at the beginning of ends like you did in this movie to begin with anyway which was a cool scene i thought yes it was a great it was a terrifying scene by the way but really jarring yeah and maybe some people maybe that assassinated the movie in some people's eyes, because whenever a child dies in a scene and you show it graphically, ah, like it was a really people, cool death though. <laughs> <laughs> some people can't handle that. It's like pets dying in movies uh, for us. Like, cause we don't have progeny. In our you own don't lives. see the kid. Like, I mean, it's the a fucking, kid. It's you a, watch it's his a back fucking and dummy. Break. Clearly it's a dummy. Yes. Like, stop. Clearly it's not a real child. I would agree. <laughs> That's your rationalization. You're sticking to it. <laughs> Just kill every kid. <laughs> He folds like a deck of cards. You can't show the preview of Megan by James Wan and then expect me to feel empathy for children 20 minutes later. Where are we going with this? I don't no. Know. Look, you should have you should have wrote Corey into the first three movies. We agree with that. Uh, you have to. I mean to to expedite otherwise you, I don't know how you do this movie without the exposition dumps. Like you yeah. can't have him be the focus of this story and him and Allison be this Bonnie and Clyde focus. But again, I get what he was going for. It's just really fucking tough to do in one movie. Now, that being said, what I love about Allison in this film, it's very meaningful and emotional that she, as the legacy of Laurie Strode, would fall in love with the outcast of her community. Yeah. Would, you know, would fall in love with kind of the the unintended consequence of Laurie Strode's plans for vengeance, right? And mm, I like that, you know, because I think that's a factor here. Laurie Strode trying to entrap Michael and failing and then the town trying to entrap Michael and failing. Everybody trying to go over the top and, and match violence with violence and failing. This is something that has reverberations in this story. And we saw that with, you know, the conversation where Laurie is basically you know, rattled by the, the conflict she has with the person outside the supermarket. Yes. With, with those unnamed characters from the first movie. But yeah, I mean, she's leveled by that accusation. Like, you, you're you part of this problem. Well, like, you can't just move on. The, the trauma, I mean, the abyss staring back at you works in so mm-hmm. many different ways. I mean, 
it's it's one of the quotes i can't remember exactly but it's basically you know laurie's talking about if you stare into the abyss what people don't realize is the abyss stares back at you and so it's what does you what do you do when the abyss stares back at you what do you let that abyss become in you and so trauma response and how you deal with that and how you cope with that being as fragile as all human beings are i think is a huge part of this movie and a huge part of the story David Gordon Green was trying to tell by sidelining Michael and making him an actual boogeyman. And, and like, yes, he's the embodiment of evil, but also letting the idea of evil and cynicism pervade an entire town. And what do you choose to do with that? Do you, are, even though you're a survivor and you're a hero in some people's eyes, the can society still make you an outcast and make you the anti-hero and, and put their problems onto you and project onto you? Yes. And when you do that, what does that do to that person that you do that to? You know what? I mean, what happens to, to we weren't there for any of these killings that happened that are so notorious. I'm not going to name drop anyone, but like what happens to our feelings in making a pariah out of these peoples, even though we weren't there for them? We don't exactly know the whole story. And what does that take on their mental facilities? And does that turn them into even more evil characters if they were already evil or have an inkling of evilness to begin with? Or do they become stronger and, and go the opposite route and and become a hero and a, the final girl like Lori? Or do they become confused and mixed halfway along the way like Allison does and just desperate to feel anything and wanting to glob on to anything that brings out any sort of emotion because the world has become numb to them? They become numb to the world i should say i I mean good god if you were going to sell me that on a halloween movie that we were going to get that i don't think like i'd be hugely disappointed because my expectations would have been too high because i would have been too excited like that idea that david gordon green even attempted to address that and like address a societal ill like that a real life societal issue through social media and interactions and all our cynicisms and judgments and and precognitions that we have as human beings I think that's a huge, huge swing, a huge attempt at that. And does it work? I think it works in a, in a lot of ways. I, I don't. I'm not as down on the ideas of it and the execution of it. I think as you are, but no, it's it's not a hundred percent. But I don't know how that comes off as a hundred percent in a horror in a genuine slasher horror movie. I don't know how you get to a hundred percent with that. I would say modern horror has had to reckon with finally with something of a symptom that maybe 1980s horror didn't look at and didn't want to deal with. And that's the self-destruct button. Like this move, like suicide is a major narrative device in this story, whether it's fainted suicide for, for means of entrapping the other character, or it's, it's something where both characters are willing to, Ha, ha, to to die can life is life so i mean do you get to a point where you care so little about your own life that you're ready to yes. use the execution of it to, as a chess move to bring someone Corey, else pain cory commits suicide to do exactly what he says he was going to do in his fallback plan if he was going to lose to Lori, then he you know he number one he wants it all to burn but number if if, if it can't then he's going not he's not going to let anybody else have Allison, right? And he basically dooms Laurie in that moment and turns Allison against Laurie in that moment. We yeah. thought. It's a total we chess thought. move. Yep. It's a chess move. It works. It's cleverly written. It's terrifying. It's jarring. And it's it's not what you expect, because you expect when he said when he's thinking, if I can't have her, no one will, you are thinking the Mark Wahlberg fear type thing. But no, he's talking about And himself. it's 
insidious and poisoning to Lori's character, yes. who just kind of fainted the same move yep. upstairs. And then she's willing, she's willing to basically self-destruct at the hands of Michael. Yeah. Again, mm-hmm. you know, as long as she's able to, to take Michael with her yep. in the following sequence, which we're thrilled and happy that Allison, and I forgot the whole phone call scene between her and uh, the assistant coach from Remember the Titan, uh, Titans, <laughs> Officer Hawkins there. Yeah. You know, and I, it, I forgot that scene existed, even though I watched it twice for some crazy reason. You before the show, we had a big debate, and you, you, you stoned me there and stymied my argument there because I'm like, why the hell did Allison go back? She just got turned against her grandmother. How like did we get the montage, the same kind of montage that we got when Michael saw a connection between him and Corey? We get that same filmmaking flourish when Michael's choking Laurie, and Laurie's thinking about all of the trauma she's dealt yeah. with and the, the, the flash cut montage that Allison comes to save her in and breaks his arm. And it's terrifying. You know, it's awesome. It's again, this movie delivers on the horror, horror spectacle. Can we just say that that kitchen fight is an all timer? Yeah, absolutely. I it mean, was yeah, awesome. you, want, like, you want, you want more of it. Certainly. That's why I'm saying like this for people to just write this movie off as a colossal failure i would disagree because i thought they stick stuck the landing and that's why you know my grade at the end of the day has to be in the c c minus range and it can't be in the f range that i've you know i've given other recent movies that i Mm -hmm. thought maybe maybe we're good like don't worry darling i thought was good for the first hour hour 10 and then it totally failed yeah, the, to to fit to finish on on the right path, and and RMN was a movie that started off really slow but nailed the finale. And like these movies, if you wow them in the end, as Robert McKee said, you got a hit. And I do think this movie's gonna leave people, you know, at least you know if they if they're story junkies with some goods delivered. I I completely agree with that aspect of it. And I mean, whether it's the things you focused on or the things I focused on, there's failures along the way. And you're not, this is not a perfect horror movie. No, I would much rather, like I said already, I would much rather something fail for ambition than for, you know, lack of trying or money grabbing efforts. It it was a big swing. I mean, it's, (laughs) it's, I can't believe they went in this direction and the marketing did not, signify to us that they were going in the this marketing direction was perfect the, well I mean, the marketing, if you're gonna deceive an audience like this you you want to sell it on a 40-year wrestlemania main event coming to fruition it, it's it's gonna work yeah and if, if by perfect you mean it's gonna work right what i worry is that it's gonna disappoint of it's gonna it disappoint will. the viewers because it, it was disingenuous yeah it manipulated well, was the it viewers. i mean I, I guess that's you know that's a litmus test was it disingenuous you get a half hour of fucking ass kicking you have Yes, you get the uh, the half hour main event, and he gets thrown but. into a meat grinder. <laughs> I mean, Michael's gone in this universe now. Yeah, he's gone, and uh, this is not how things are done. But oh, it, it's how things were. Done. I get it. I get it. I wonder if they watched Making a Murderer and they're like, "Yeah, that junkyard. It's a real life good setting for a." Anyway, I think uh, I think the meat. It, it's definitely overkill, but you needed overkill in that instance. Right. It's fine. I mean, you were saying uh, chop his head off. <laughs> I'm surprised he gained so much weight. 
Michael, <laughs> being in the sewers all that time. A lot of rats. He was there were a lot of rats cut. down there. Obviously, they changed to the to the old the old actor there. So who was it? It was uh, yeah, it was James Jude Courtney, and then it went back to the original, the OG. Yeah, I forget his name. Oh, Rick Moose. He is in IMDb, but he's not in the other one. Weird. Here it's Mike, Mike, and reading IMDb to end another episode. Who's the original shape, Michael? Michael! Top cast. Nick Castle. Nick Castle. I should We suck. I do know that. You knew that. Of course you did. How many autographs do you have Nick Nick (laughs) Castle around the house? Around my own castle. Uh, All right. So you you said B minus. B minus. Yeah, that's where I land on it. I say maybe C. Maybe you talked me up into a C. I'll wear that as a badge of honor. I'm a little surprised. I'm a little surprised because I I walked out last night thinking like this was better than I feared, but then I got into the parking lot. But ah, I don't like X, Y, and Z. And then yeah, you and I had like the a weird send off last night. It was pouring rain. Yeah, we, we couldn't like, really God. talk about it. <laughs> no. And then I woke up this morning and rewatched it. And I kind of st- I'm very mixed, but at the same time, passing gr- it's a passing grade for me, unfortunately, because I'm a homer, but also because. It delivers on the spectacle. Mm-hmm. The, the, there's kick-ass horror action scenes in this. I just wish I wish they were able to execute the entirety of this plot because, unfortunately, I think it is execution-dependent. If you're going to take such a big swing, and for me to call it great, you got you got to nail it, and I don't think they did. No, it's not great. It's, it's I, I don't think I would define it as great, certainly. But uh, yeah. But he was going for greatness. Yes, he was. You give him credit for that. He was going for greatness. That's that's for sure. Um, uh, look, as always, in, truly in the case like this, we want to hear from you. What did you take in Halloween ends, and what do you think about it? About the the big ideas, the big swings, and do you think there was connected? Do we hit a double here? Or do we have a single, or do we strike out swinging? Uh, let us know all of that, as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything we do here in the MMO Empire. We want to hear those from you, as always. You can leave us those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at mm and Oscar on the Twitter machine. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on. Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcast or Spotify app, if you appreciate what we do here, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, those help us out a ton. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far. Uh, Michael, we are done with horror for today's episode, but we're not done with horror going forward in the month of October. Tell the good people what's coming up on the horizon, and let's have some words of wisdom to end on. Well, we've had an awesome year in horror movies, and we've been pitching this this year uh, as one of the best since we've started the show uh, over the last few months in particular with Smile and Barbarian, uh, etc. Bones and All that I just saw and reviewed in the last episode of New York, you know, the New York Film mm-hmm. Festival's Part 3, Reviews Part 3 there. So awesome year for horror. We always do an annual horror movie award show. We call it The Scaries. And now we have Volume 5 of The Scaries that wow. we will release at the end of the month. Uh, we have not picked a subgenre yet. I need you to read the uh, the top of this yeah, document and help me pick a subgenre because we always watch a handful of movies and hopefully we've seen enough uh, in our horror movie watching lives to be able to create a fake award show mm-hmm. <laughs> based on our knowledge of the subgenre. So that's been fun every year. Last year we did cult movies, movies about cults, which was pretty awesome, Wicker Man, etc. 
and it was it was that was a that was a fun conversation. So that's like twenty minutes, and then yeah, we we award the best of the year uh, for for about a half hour of every every one of those shows. And last year we actually did a John Carpenter tribute sure segment. So we we gave John Carpenter movies out fake awards that we come up with. So always fun to do the scaries. Check those out as you as you said throughout the episode. MMO screams. That was our big horror movie. That was our big horror movie series that we built into this year. We did the Easter Eggers, Robert Eggers, uh, <laughs> three movie. Um, Mini series. Mini series. Yeah. And we had a blast with that, even though maybe we didn't like the Northman as much as some other people. But, hey, we always keep you guys guessing, I think. I mean, we're just <laughs> honest about how we view these movies. And, you know, I, at the end of the day, I do think the subjectivity, especially for a movie like this, it's just has to we have to be honest about it yeah like we are super fans of the franchise and therefore we're gonna like some things that people who maybe not be the super fans don't you know can't abide i'm sure we were more we're, apologetic than uh than we're apologetic yeah, yeah we're, we're foam finger in the air waving fans and it's it's wise to just it's wise to just be fans sometimes so you know does this discredit all of our oscar punditing probably but we don't care <laughs> We just are who we are. We here we are with all our flaws. Take us as we mm-hmm. are, and uh, and we move on to the Exorcist <laughs> next with David Gordon Green. And yeah, next week when I slam White Noise or <laughs> <laughs> the Exorcist three years from now, after that five hundred million dollar property comes out, you know, yeah. we'll be strapping. Get along for the ride, <laughs> guys. When reality sucks, you can be hypocrites with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all very soon. See ya. He killed my daughter. But tonight, I will kill him. Come and get me.